Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner, and welcome to 2021. I hope you all had uh, a happy and safe New Year celebration. Hopefully, you were able to get some time, some time off, and we're able to spend a little bit of quality time with those around you while also being safe in our pandemic world here. But you know, definitely, definitely stoked to kick off the new year right here with another investing episode. This is, if you haven't gathered by now, talking about personal finance is something that I'm super passionate about. But the in, the investing world, anything like that, just kicks my kicks my enthusiasm up to to a whole nother level. So definitely, really excited to to get into the weeds a bit today here. Um, and also, as you may have guessed from the title, primary focus isn't going to be on you know specific securities or strategies, but purely the different types of investment accounts that you can have. And even at that, I'm focusing on the the mainstream ones. So nothing, no crazy outliers or kind of unique scenarios. Focusing on the bread and butter investment accounts that, if you haven't already um, optimized or started using in your own life. Hopefully this will put these on your radar and uh, you know, give you some options as you look for what's best for you. So, you know, in the investing space, the industry, the the whole world, just in general, there it, it's such a such a massive thing, right? So, as I said in my the first one I did, which was which was episode three, there's definitely going to be many episodes just on on investing related things. But like I said, today is going to be focused specifically on investment accounts. If you want to learn a little bit more about just the basic, basic kind of fundamentals and terminology about what, you know, just understand the concept of investing, go check out episode three. It's titled Investing 101. Um, that's a great starting point. But then once you wrap that one up, jump back over here and you'll learn a little bit more about how to actually go out and kind of execute on some of those concepts. So, um, one thing I do want to note, I've, I've mentioned it before as well, I am not a financial advisor or a tax professional, not a CPA. So with that in mind, just you know, understand that not giving any, any official advice, you know, I always recommend if, if you think you're, you're in a unique situation or you, you, know, you have the resources that would kind of warrant um, bringing in a professional for, for some of their guidance, Definitely do that. Always makes sense to have you know professional advice uh, when you can get it. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, I wanted to start off first by just talking through kind of a few questions that I that I commonly hear from people when when I talk about different investment accounts. And first one is generally just just overall confusion, right? So usually you know folks are like, okay, yeah, I kind of understand like what buying stock is but like i don't really know a whole lot about how you do it and then take it another step further i don't really know like the benefits and repercussions of using different accounts to do it so so what are the different accounts or kind of why are there different accounts so okay, there's a handful of them um and really the the differentiating factors there are are more kind of the the strategy and your strategy and the tax implications. So those are the two biggest drivers. Some of the most common accounts are, uh, you know, a brokerage account, 
traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, and then you can have a 401k, um, which is, there's also tradition, those are usually just traditional 401ks. Some some companies do offer a, four, a Roth 401k option now, but I'm gonna dive all into that in just a bit. But another question here, so we talk through the, you know, understand that there's different accounts and what's the difference. Like I said, it's, it's about strategy and taxes, right? So is your is your focus on are you building a, a nest egg for retirement uh, or are you looking more at kind of short term goals? Are you looking at something like you want to have, you know, the cash available in five to 10 years, be able to pull it out whenever you need it? Or is this money that you're putting away for 40 years and you just don't even want to think about it uh, on the taxes side? It's it's all about um, whether or not you want to defer taxes. So important thing to note there, there's no concept of avoiding taxes, right? At some point, whenever you take the money out or when you know, when you either when you make the money or take it out of your account, taxes will be due. There's just no concept in America and really the world of taking legally procured money and keeping it tax free. If you try if you do that, most you're gonna you're gonna be committing tax um, tax evasion there. So um, yeah, just if you're wondering the differences, start at the high level strategy and taxes. And then you might be asking yourself, well what makes sense for me? And I think the two elements that really play into that are your age and your your total income, right? So um, you know, there's certain income limits where, you know, you can only put so much into certain accounts. Um, once you reach a certain age, maybe you can put more in, maybe there's, you have to take money out. Um, generally, again, this is not professional advice. Generally, when you're younger or you're making less money, um, using an account that, um, that takes, that uses, that's funded with after tax dollars, is is generally kind of the route to go again it's situation dependent and if you want kind of a more formal answer i'd recommend kind of you know doing some research or consulting a professional but so let's dive into the different types of accounts all right so i'll start off with the most standard of investment accounts and that is a is is a brokerage account so you know you probably have seen you know, ads or commercials out there, you know, you got Schwab, Fidelity, E-Trade, um, you know, those are just a few. I think Robinhood's a big one. Um, all of those, for the most part, really any of those, any brokerage is going to offer a brokerage account. And so what what is that? Again, it's really just the standard standard account to you know buy and sell different securities often stocks and bonds um, you know could be involved in funds too so where does the money come from for a brokerage account or from a tax perspective um, what money goes in well anything in a brokerage account is going to be funded with after-tax dollars so that means say you're working you make money you pay taxes on it then you take you know whatever's left over and you'll that's what would go into your your brokerage account right so the thing to note about about these types of accounts are that your gains are are also taxed so let's take an example right say you go out and you make a thousand dollars right from your job you pay 250 bucks in tax so you have 750 dollars left you put that 750 into an account 
into a brokerage account. Let's say you double it, right? So now that 750 has become 1500. Um, when you sell, you'll have to pay taxes on the $750 gain, right? So keep in mind, the first 750 you put in was already taxed. Your thousand minus 250, 750. And then you doubled it, so you've now gained $750. When you sell that, you will owe taxes on the new 750 unless you have you you lost money on a separate investment and can offset those but um, there's there's also different tax implications depending on when you when you sell what you know when you sell so it kind of breaks down to um, two classifications short term and long term and the the qualifier there is is one year so if it's under a year it's classified as short-term. If it's over a year, it's long-term. Anything that's under a year and falls in that short-term bucket will be taxed as regular income. So that you'll be, you'll face, you know, state, federal income tax, uh, social security, Medicare, um, and any other kind of miscellaneous taxes that, that some states might throw in there. But you'll, you'll be taxed, you know, just as if it was money you made from your job and the important thing to note is it will be your highest tax rates, right? So if you make $50,000 from your job and then you made, let's say, $1,000, you had $1,000 of, of gains in the stock market, so 51000 total of income, the $1,000 from the stock market would be dollars 50001 through 51000 So, of course, that'll hit at your highest, your highest tax brackets there. So, um, it's... You know, it's kind of punitive to use a brokerage account and sell in the short term. If you sell long term, right? So you hold your securities for longer than a year and you sell it rather than it being taxed as income, it'll be taxed as capital gain. So that's that is a flat tax. Um, I believe for most people, it's 15%, if I recall correctly. It's something like if you make under 20 or 30,000 dollars, it's zero and then like whatever that threshold is up to something like three or four hundred thousand is 15 percent and then i think it goes to 20 or 30 percent from there and have to double check that but anyways it's it's beneficial from a tax perspective to hold long term because you know say you pay your flat 15 percent well if you're paying you know social security is already 7.65 percent plus let's say 20% federal plus 5% state well that's already you know you're in the low 30s so you could pay half the tax if you hold um, hold past a year of course depends on the state California taxes long term their capital gains tax is the same as income so it kind of negates part of that but also good to know just state tax policies there so what are the benefits to just a routine brokerage account because you're saying well I got tax on money I put in I'm getting taxed on any money I make so what am I what am I getting for doing this the benefit there is you have the ultimate flexibility and liquidity and so and just to define a term if you're not familiar with the liquidity purely just means like how quickly can you can you get to where uh, to, can you get turn things into cash right so if you own stock how quickly can you sell it and then have cash that you could put in your bank account, essentially? So 
brokerage accounts will offer in exchange for really the most punitive tax policy um it'll have it'll give you maximum flexibility so you can put money in at any time there's no limit on how much you can put in um you can also sell off everything you can you can make transactions you can pull money out penalty free at any time um so that's that's really the benefit there um another key one is within a brokerage account you also have flexibility in your investment options so when you look at something like a 401k usually they'll have like a set list of funds that you can invest in right so there'll be some company that that runs your 401k and they'll have you know who knows five to 15 different funds where they're like oh if you want to retire in this year invest in this fund or if you want to invest in you know big u.s companies you know buy into this one so with a brokerage account you can go in and say well yeah i you know and you you can pick individual stocks if you want but you can really choose you can choose anything you can you know um, beyond just stocks and bonds you could you could trade options you can get really complex in brokerage accounts whereas retirement accounts typically are more are more simplified there so those are the pros is just having ultimate flexibility in and handling your money and in directing it towards specific securities the con for sure is maximum taxes. So you know, tax on money that goes into it, tax on any gains. I guess, and, and a byproduct pro would be if you didn't just outright lose money, so you ended the year with a loss, you could, you can use that as a tax deduction up to, I believe, $3,000. Um, so that's a brokerage account. Next one is a 401k. So. It, that that name is derived from the um, from the SEC's kind of regulations around these types of plans. Basically, a 401k is an employer-sponsored plan. Um, so you you know you work for a company, they'll typically offer this type of plan because they want to you know, promote employee well-being, and a big piece of that is ensuring they're setting folks up for a future and um, and being in security in retirement. So. The, the nice thing about uh, most 401k plans is companies usually offer some sort of a percentage match. And this will vary by company. I know some that, that don't do any sort of match, um, others that do some, and then there's there's uh, there's even you know better companies that offer you know crazy nice nice benefits. So what I mean by a percentage match is a company might say, hey, if you put 5% of your pay into this account, we will match, we'll match that 100%. So you put in, you put $1,000 in, we'll put $1,000 in with you for a total of 2,000. Some might, you know, that percentage might change, right? So um, one might offer, say like, hey, if you put in $1,000, we'll match half of it. So we'll put 500 in with you. That's, that's a great thing to take advantage of because um that's i mean if you think about it if you were to take money and, and instantly say hey like i could get you know 50 percent or 50 percent of my money or double it instantly for doing nothing that's a no-brainer right if, if if you said hey like take a thousand dollars and turn in the two thousand just because i put it into this account like, that's a that's a crazy good crazy good model there um as the employee so um, definitely if you have a company that matches a 401k max that out um, like I touched on a bit ago most 401ks are traditional some are Roth so 
uh, you know, at a basic level, the difference between traditional and Roth is again taxes. So traditional means money that goes into the account is pre-tax. So if my earlier example, you made a thousand dollars. In this case, you could put all one thousand dollars into your traditional four hundred one k. If it's a Roth, you'll be taxed before the money goes in. So that would lead you where your thousand dollars, you lose two fifty the taxes. So now seven hundred fifty goes into your your Roth four hundred one k. The catch on the traditional side is that whenever you go to withdraw money in the future you'll owe taxes on the money that you put into it as well as your investment gains. So if you take, you know, you have your $1000, you you put all of it in a traditional 401k, it, you know, it doubles and then you withdraw the money at 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 the appropriate time, right? So now you have $2000, you pull it out, well you're going to owe full, you know, full taxes on on that uh, that $2000 withdrawal. On the other hand, with the Roth, you pay the 250 in tax to begin with, but once that 750 goes into your account, anything you gain off of that is tax-free. So that 750 doubles and turns into 1500. Well, now you now you have 1500 dollars. You can withdraw that, and there's no taxes owed on that. So that's a big difference. Again, I would spend some time doing some research, see if it makes sense for you, whether you know traditional or Roth. Generally, if you're you're not making as much money and have a lower tax bracket um, or t- tax rates, typically makes more sense to go the Roth route. But um, back to the 401k piece. In general, as I mentioned, these are employee-sponsored plans. They're going to have some sort of plan administrator or some company that runs these plans, and those those firms have kind of a group of their their funds that they manage, right? And funds are just a collection of different securities. So it could be stocks, bonds, real estate, domestic, foreign, like whole mix of things can go into these funds, right? The whole the whole goal there is to um, is to spread money across a bunch of different things to minimize risk, right? With retirement accounts, which is what a 401k is, the goal is not to, you know, not to be super super risky all the time right it's as you get older you want your money to be there when you need it particularly in retirement so that's why you'll see these funds diversify and spread that money out across a bunch of different different things um there is a contribution limit on a 401k so for 2021 it's nineteen thousand five hundred dollars again depends on um, you know if you have a traditional that means you could just take you know 19,500 of income direct it into your 401k um, not 100% sure since Roth IRAs or sorry Roth 401ks aren't nearly as popular or available I'm not sure if the if the limit changes there but you know 19,500 is it is the is the max there um, another another hurdle with a 401k is you can't withdraw your money without a penalty until you're 59 and a half. So again, it's meant to incentivize you to put money away for retirement and then not touch it until you reach that point in life, right? So if you withdraw it earlier than that, um, you'll have to pay a penalty. It might be another 10% on top of income taxes. Um, But there are some qualified, there are certain things like 
um, you know, certain purchases like potentially a first time home purchase or items like that, that could, that could, um, where there would be an exception to the penalty rule there, but good, good thing to note. Um, another piece is there are required or what are called RMDs. So, um, required minimum distributions. This just recently, end of 2019, the age for this got raised from 70 and a half to 72. That means starting at 72, you'll have to start pulling money out of that account and you know, and then paying kind of taxes um, at that point in time. So you can't let it just ride forever. A lot of folks kind of, you know, use certain retirement accounts to build up wealth and then, you know, uh, potentially use that or have that be you know, part of an inheritance to, to younger, to their kids or whoever might be, you know, down the line. Um, overall with a 401k, the best benefit for sure is the employer match. It's free money. So if you have that, take advantage of it. Um, you know, I, in the context of a traditional 401k, a benefit is definitely def- being able to defer your taxes. So money that you make at 25 goes in, you know, pre-tax. You let that grow for 20, you know, 30, 40 years. And then by the time, you know, you pull it out, you'll owe taxes at that juncture. But, you know, it's at least gives you that those decades of growth. Um, there also is the opportunity to roll a 401k into other account types. I won't get into the, you know, into the details of that, but you know, that's something that's common where, you know, if you're, if you're changing companies and things like that, um, you know, there's flexibility in being able to kind of roll those assets into another account. The cons of a 401k, um, primarily start with limited flexibility. So, um, so you're going to be limited in your, your investment options as well as just your your access to the cash, right? So if you did have an emergency and you're 40 years old, well, you can't pull out that money, you know, without paying you know taxes and penalties, unless of course it meets a qualified exception. But <clears throat> for the most part, any money you put in there, you could you should just consider it locked until you're at least 59 and a half. Another another con would be that there's there's a max contribution, albeit it's pretty high on a 401k, so. <clears throat> for most folks out there listening, you know, I'm not sure if you're in a position to put away 19,500 into just one account. Um, but if you are able to do that plus some, then that would be a con to the 401k side of things is that you get capped out at 19,500. Um, and then there's also those required minimum distributions, although, you know, that doesn't come into play until you're 72. And so, you know, a lot can change at that point in time. Next account type is a traditional IRA. So IRA stands for individual retirement account. And like I touched on a few moments ago, the traditional, the the name traditional IRA indicates that this is a pre-tax account, right? So anything you put in here, any money goes in before you pay taxes on it. And then with when you withdraw later down the line, you'll owe taxes on both the um, what you put in plus any investment uh, gains to date. There, um, the nice thing about traditional IRAs is they is they kind of negate that the the flexibility issue with a four hundred one k in terms of what you can invest in. So usually, you know, you have the ability to to go out and you can pick specific stocks or funds or you know, items that you want to invest in. I've seen people also, you know, take money from IRAs and invest in real estate. Um, it kind of depends on, you know, who, 
who you have your IRA with, but there's, there's a lot more flexibility there in terms of what you can actually put your money towards. Um, like a 401k, there is a contribution limit, but for IRAs in general, they are much lower. So if you're under 50, you can only put in a max of $6,000 a year. If you're over 50, I believe that contribution limit increases to 7,000. So that's about, you know, roughly about a third of what you can put in your 401k. So again, evaluate your personal situation, see what makes sense. Um, if you're looking to defer taxes as long as possible, you know, you can't hurt to do both. Um, but you know, just keep in mind there is that contribution limit and you want to make sure that you don't go over that. Um, just like a 401k, you can't withdraw your money um, without a penalty until you're at least 59 and a half. So um, again, just keep in mind that as you, you know, any money that you're putting into, into it is, um, is going to be locked away for good while. Another catch, just like the 401k, there are required minimum distributions starting at 72. So keep that in mind as well. Um, definitely several benefits to the traditional IRA, right? So primary, again, being the deferred taxes. So, so any money you go in, you can let it grow for decades and then um, kind of use the money that you would have paid in taxes to increase your overall gains. Um, Another big one is um, your your flexibility in investment choices. So being able, you could pick stocks if you'd like, or just be able to go outside the framework of your employer's 401k plan. Um, the cons of traditional IRAs uh, mainly comes from the money being locked away, right? So not going to be able to withdraw it um, until you're you know 59 and a half. You have the required minimum distributions. Um, there's the $6,000 or $7,000 contribution cap, which is pretty low. Um, and then as you're making withdrawals in the future in retirement, that's going to be taxes income. So both the, the money you pull out, so any money that you originally put in plus the investment gains are as they're withdrawn are going to be taxes income. So just keep that in mind too with a traditional IRA. On the flip side, we have Roth IRAs as well. So Again, difference here with a Roth, the money that you put in will be after-tax dollars. Um, so you pay taxes today, but when you take money out in the future, you won't owe anything to the IRS at that point. Um, just like the like its traditional counterpart, the Roth IRA gives you the freedom to invest in anything. So pick stocks, funds, bonds, you know, um, potentially put it towards real estate, whatever makes sense. Um, you have that flexibility there. Um, also, like its counterpart, there there is a, a contribution cap. It is the same, you know, six thousand if you're under fifty. Fifty or older jumps to seven thousand. Um, there is a difference here in terms of your ability to get money out of a Roth IRA uh, compared to the traditional one. So when you th think of it like this. With a Roth, there are two different buckets of money kind of within the account, right? Bucket number one are the contributions that you put in. So the dollars that, you know, the money that you made, you pay taxes on and you put it into the Roth account. And then there's your bucket number two, which is your investment earnings. So if you put $1,000 into it and it grew to $1,500, Bucket number one has $1,000 in it because that's what you put in originally. 
Bucket number two for investment earnings has $500. So the difference here with the Roth is you can withdraw your contributions at any time for any reason, penalty and tax free. So that $1,000 that was in bucket number one is available and accessible to you when, when you wanna use it. Bucket number two, your investment earnings is different. That's where it falls into, under the same rules of, you know, you can't, can't pull it out without penalty until you're 59 and a half. There could be different tax implications there. So that money's a bit more locked away, but you do have, say in an emergency situation, if you did need some money, you have at least the Roth allows you to tap into it a bit. Whether or not that's advisable is kind of up to you and your, you know, your tax and just finance, your tax professional, financial advisor. But um, it's at least a, somewhat available. Whereas the traditional, it's you know, it's firmly locked away unless you want to pay penalties and taxes. Um, so that's that's definitely a kind of one of the pros there is that you you know you have that flexibility to pull money out. Um, the biggest one, the biggest appeal to the Roth side of things is that the investment gains are not taxed, right? And so my example where I said $1,000 becomes $1,500, when you withdraw that $1,500, you aren't going to be taxed on your $500 gain. You simply just collect your $1,500 and when you go pass go. So um, that's, that's definitely the biggest appeal there. Again, it's going to offer you the investment flexibility in terms of picking out what you wanna put your money towards. Um, and another benefit is there are no required minimum distributions. So remember, for the traditional side of things, when you turn 72, they're going to make you take money out of it. Whereas the Roth, you can you can let it ride out a little, you know a bit longer, or you know have an imposition where you can hand it down to the next generation. Downsides are you know the contributions are are not uh, they they are taxed before they go in, right? So everything goes in post tax. So you're kind of, you know, you're biting the bullet now in terms of putting away money uh, for later. That'll be tax-free. Um, and then you you have some flexibility, as I mentioned, in being able to withdraw your contributions when you want. But a downside would be that, you know, you cannot pull the earnings out without paying um, a penalty and potentially taxes on that front. So those are the main ones. Those are kind of the, the big four of investment accounts, right? We talked about brokerage accounts, which is kind of your standard, just trading investment account, money goes in, you know, post-tax gains are also taxed. There's 401ks, which could be traditional or Roth. Those are employer sponsored plans, you know, put money in, potentially your company matches some percentage of it. Um, and then usually you pick from a specific list of funds that you can put the money towards. Then you got traditional IRAs that's funded with money with pre-tax dollars. So you get opportunity to have more money grow for decades. Uh, flip side is you know, you'll you'll owe taxes on on everything you withdraw at the at the appropriate time, and your money's locked away for until you're at least 59 and a half. Um, Roth IRAs are similar, um, but difference there is the money goes in post-tax. Anything you withdraw in the future, once you're once qualified will be will not be taxed so um, benefits there keep in mind if you're worried about well i really don't know what's going to be best for me just remember the basic the underlying premise here is investing for your future 
So no matter what you do, if you're doing using any of these accounts, it's it's a positive financial move for you. Like, could you potentially be, be making a better financial move if you use one or the other? Sure. My my push here, my appeal to you, is it's better to do something than nothing. Once you're doing something, then you can continue to tinker around with it, find out okay what makes more sense, and then I can do more and more and more until it's optimized. But keep in mind, one is better is you know greater than zero. So before you worry about well how do I get to ten, you know go you know go to one, then two, then five, then eight, then ten. You know it's an incremental process. Just want to get some ideas in front of y'all, um, kind of talk through some of the basic components, basic bullet points here, see again what kind of makes sense for you. But last thing I'll note before before wrapping up here is with IRAs, there's actually a, a special, there's special home buying benefits for first time purchases. So um, this is something that I've personally been looking into a lot more lately just because, you know, just like you know for me i'm a planner i like looking ahead and purchasing a home is certainly something that i think everybody or for the most part um most folks aspire to own a home someday so i want to put this on your radar with an ira and this is traditional and roth um, you can take up to ten thousand dollars of investment earnings and apply it towards a home purchase so the the way i look at it is you know let's say say you put five you contribute five grand to a Roth and then you do really well and you get those ten thousand dollars in investment earnings. So now you have fifteen thousand in the account, again five thousand the original contribution, ten thousand of investment gains. You would be able to withdraw all fifteen thousand of that and apply it towards your first your first home purchase, uh, tax and penalty free. So um, that's that's a good one to note. You know, it's not recommended. Um, it's not recommended to raid a retirement account to buy a home, right? The the thing that got me thinking about this was the latest stimulus check. And I actually used that to to fund a Roth IRA because I thought it was sort of ironic to take post, you know, government money the government gave me which wasn't taxed. So it's, you know, that's po- technically, you know, post-tax dollars. So I took that, put it into account where it'll now grow you know, it'll grow without taxes. So like I, that's $600, who knows what it'll turn into, but that $600, no matter what I do with it now, cause it's in the Roth, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tax free. Um, those, those gains. So I was kind of looking to leverage that to put, you know, to eventually put towards a home purchase, not still working out personally, whether I want to use that Roth like more consistently or not. But, um, just an idea to throw out there. Do some research on it. the one key stipulation that that I picked up on as I was, you know, setting this up, is that your IRA must be open for five years prior to the purchase. So if this is something that you want to do, I would recommend opening an IRA, and you can still make a contribution for the 2020 tax year up until the tax filing date, which as of now is going to be April 15th, 2021. So you still have three months roughly to open an IRA, you know, put a few bucks in it. it most places don't have a minimum. When I opened on E-Trade, I don't think there was, uh, there wasn't a minimum that I saw. Um, but yeah, put some money in there, apply it to the 2020 tax year, and that'll already give you a year of credit. 
So then, you know, then you only have to keep the, the account for, you know, another four years, basically, once you get into 2025, um, then you would be in a position where you could apply that towards a home purchase. So something to keep in mind, do more research on it, but I thought that was a pretty nifty idea. Um, you know, in conclusion here, like I said, you know, there's a lot of different ways to invest. I didn't touch on everything, um, touched on, you know, the most, the, the most widely known, um, most widely utilized, uh, investment accounts, brokerage, 401k, IRAs. Um, but just like I said, take advantage of it. There's options available to you and it's always better to do something than nothing. Um, really, you know, for certain people, the Roth IRA might make the most sense, but again, kind of depends on your situation. If your employer matches, you know, it doesn't matter what percentage it is, how much they'll do, make sure that's the first thing that you max out. Before you're putting money into a brokerage account or to a separate IRA, it's a no-brainer to put it into your 401k and let your employer help pay for your retirement. Um, and then from there, you know, investing for the future is good. Take advantage, you know, sure, you could have invested in Amazon 20 years ago, but if you start investing now, you're going to catch on to whatever the next Amazon's going to be 20 years from now. So always good to be forward thinking there. And if you're listening to the podcast, hopefully that already means you are a forward thinking individual and are looking for, you know, what are some savvy financial moves to make. But really appreciate, as always, y'all making the time to join me today. Great talking investing. Looking forward to doing it more in the future here. Um, hopefully there's something beneficial for you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, social media, email me, find me on the website. Um, go ahead, subscribe, follow the podcast. Um, you know, try to put out weekly episodes. I was a day behind cause I was traveling yesterday, but, um, try to put out episode, new episodes every Tuesday. And I also have some fun things in the works, hopefully looking to build, you know, more of kind of an active or interactive community over social media. So might kick that off with some giveaways here in the near future, but until until next week, I hope you'll take care and I'll look forward to, to talking again soon.